1: the fights might be upon us it's the state of combat podcast on cbs sports that voice is your boy the brian campbell checking in with you on the mixed martial arts side uh, happy covid to you hopefully everyone out there in all seriousness is is uh getting by surviving finding that light somewhere on the horizon at the end of the proverbial tunnel we can get through this together folks. Keep on keeping on UFC 250 around the corner. Not really sure. We're going to chat with Rashad Evans and break all that down the latest news. And you better believe we've got some special interviews with you today. Maybe one of the greatest fighters of all time. Your choice, Demetrius Johnson. Stopping by to share his coronavirus update with us. How he's getting through quarantine. How he's staying primed and ready for a return to the one championship cage. And we're going to bring on another legend. All right. Yeah, we got Rashad Evans. We also got Chael Sonnen stopping by the show to relive some of his Bellator memories that you're going to be able to catch shortly through this collaboration between CBS Sports and Bellator coming to your airwaves this week. Very soon. Lots more details on that. We'll get Chael's opinion on everything from Fight Island to... Uh, Whatever, whatever you want. You just turn the microphone on. Sh- 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 Shiel fills the uh, the sound drops, as we've known many times on this show, many times. I'm
0: not a martial artist. I am a
1: fighter. Yeah, so don't piss him off, all right? Never piss off a gangster. Uh, we got another gangster on this show. He- he's a smiley one, though. He's a Hall of Famer. He's an earthquake survivor. He's Niagara Falls' New York finest. He is sugar. Rashad Evans, my friend, my man, happy 421 to you as we record this. Hopefully yesterday was you were in good spirits, hopefully.
2: <laughs> What's up, BC? Yes, I was in great spirits yesterday. I had a great 420. Uh, great day of ob- observation of the herbal refreshments.
1: Just, just, just looking at them is what you're saying. You're just looking at them, wondering what it would be like if your state legal. I'm no, just kidding. Just kidding.
2: right. That's exactly it.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um. Wow. I think you should shut shut up. You're embarrassing yourself right now. Are, are you still drunk right <laughs> not, now? Not drunk, GSP. That's not what we are. All right. <laughs> Uh, Rashad, can you give us, uh, you know, we like to joke on here, obviously some people are losing their jobs, losing their lives. Life can be hard at the moment. We try to fill that void, fill that hole with a little fun. How has your quarantine been going from fitness to mental health? What's new in the life of Rashad?
2: It's been going pretty good. You know, I, um, added a new wrinkle in the game and it's just uh, a new, 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 uh, new training routine, but, uh, the training routine is just something that I did. Uh, you know, midway through this I don't even, I can't even say midway because who knows how long this is gonna go for, but I changed up my training routine and that way it kind of balances out the monotony of doing the you know same routine over and over again. but um you know, just changing up my goals and different things like that, you know I've gotten some books that I wanted to. Just immerse myself in and just kind of learn something new. I've been learning a little bit of law. I've been learning how to sculpt. I've been Ooh, uh, taking learning. Taking advantage of the like Yes. I, I, I've been learning how to do electronics and everything. I've just been just making the most out of this time. But that's my overall point, BC, is that this time that we can't do nothing about. You know, we're we're forced to sit in isolation, and you know, we can either make this into something that's going to make us a force or make us something that's going to uh, hinder us, and I think if we put our minds to this, then we can make the most out of this time that we've been given.
1: Well, as I I, I appreciate that, and as I've said on the show many times, I'm not a a handy fellow, Rashad. I may not be a man's man in that area, but I've purchased a chainsaw, an axe, and a ball in the past week and a half, and I've been uh, I've been manning up a little bit. There's some fallen like trees that. next to my house. I've been I've been chopping up. To, there's no more of a manly feeling. I mean, look, there's. We all know how to create a few manly feelings in our life. Um, I'm sure winning a UFC championship is a manly feeling, but splitting some wood with an axe in a, in a mall, old school style, that'll, that'll get the blood pumping, that'll get the testosterone flowing, if you know what I mean, Rashad?
2: Yeah, you know what? And it kind of goes well because Last week you were kind of looking like a boy with the prepubescent uh, haircut, <laughs> but now I'm balancing it out with some manly activities. Ugh. It definitely drops the sack a little Thank bit.
1: Thank you. That very, <laughs> very much uh, appreciate that. Wow, is that sack that Oh wow, where are we going? All right, yeah, where's she at? What the finance? More on her later. But i uh, glad to hear everyone is uh, getting through. Hopefully, um, you know everyone's quarantine is different. You know, I'm talking to people that. Haven't left their apartment in a month. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some craziness out there. Rashad, are you cooking your own meals during this time?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, cooking a lot of vegan meals. Um, and I'm having fun with it, too, you know, just kind of mixing it up. But, uh, you know, keeping it simple and just keeping it healthy and clean is the most important part.
1: All right, we got a lot of mixed martial arts to get through. But, Rashad, no one is getting more airtime lately than the airness himself, Michael Jordan, from this uh this last dance ESPN Bulls documentary of the 98 season have you tuned in to what like 6 million people have during this
2: i have i have i caught, I caught a little bit of it and it's just kind of good to go back and just watch mike you know and, and and it's it's one thing to kind of we all have our comparisons our greats you know the kobe bryant the you know lebron james and you know stephen curry's or whatever you want to put in that category but it's good to go back and see michael jordan in his time doing it at that level and it's just like man it, it kind of you know kind of gave me a, a new appreciation for what i've already knew about michael jordan um
1: you can understand the mindset that is needed on this level to be what you've become a champion a hall of famer a man who has uh you know grabbed control of everything in his life living your best life but is mj on a whole nother level it seems in terms of his obsessiveness in his uh his leadership and his like win at all costs i mean he he seems like he would slap a bee to get a victory
2: yeah you know what I, I think I think he he was, but I think that's what's needed you know I think that when when you look at somebody who's achieved what he's achieved and um always looking to set precedence and be the guy uh to new to do something, you know when you're looking to be that guy, you have to be able to come out. And, uh, break the mold of what it means to train comfortably, think comfortably, and even live comfortably. You know, you gotta break the mold on all those things in order to break the mold on everything else.
1: You know, MMA has had a few mold breakers during their time. I've also secured an island.
0: I've got an island.
1: Um, is there an, uh, an MJ equivalent in MMA or is there, is there no one that's really. Done exactly that, which I guess is like it's not like MJ's unbeaten. I mean, it's basketball; you take some losses, but never lost in the finals. He's he's almost had a a perfect career. I mean, like John Jones has some MJ, you know, physical comparisons, but I don't know if there is an MJ in MMA.
2: Nah, you know what? I, I've been thinking about it too. I think if if we were to look at it, MJ, that guy. Uh, I, I think I think what John Jones would be that guy if he was not. All the other things outside the cage did not, you know, shed a light on them that it did. But if you're talking about skill-wise, John Jones is like that guy, you know, just being able to do that. But um, I don't, I don't think we have that guy. But I think that we, we could potentially be having a guy, that guy, in a few different weight classes right now.
1: Ooh, do you want to, you want to tease any names? You are, are you thinking, uh, I th- are, are you thinking this fella for a second? Middleweights, I'm the new dog in the yard, and I just all over this cage. Don't. Somebody clean that up. Are you? Yeah, the guy
2: you yeah, know? yeah. That's exactly who I'm talking about. You know, when it comes to, um, he fights with a, a fight IQ that that's really, really high, um, and his skill level and his, his 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 is just on another level. And he's doing that thing that you've seen, uh, you know, the the Michael Jordans and the LeBron James and the Kobe Bryant's do. He has that obsessive what they call Mamba mentality, yes. you know, and, and that's what it takes to be that that level so potentially you know he, he could be one of those guys
1: wow uh real quick on john jones we do have more to come on him uh some other news but uh if he's an mj do you think he had like he's got such natural gifts and yeah he's got some things going on outside the cage that have you know potentially hampered his his ceiling but does he have that work ethic from from you being a former teammate that's mj like that it's not just that he's naturally gifted that he is maxing himself out every single day?
2: You know, when I seen John, uh, like, he he does do the things that you would do in order to get to that level because he does put his 10,000 hours in. John is a, is a really, uh, he's a person who drills and he drills constantly. You know, he always um, ended every single practice with at least like an hour of just drilling afterwards, just playing around and things like that. And I know that he, uh, you know, he has a, a, his garage is filled with all kinds of, uh, workout tools. So he sits there and just compulsively work on his setups and things like that. And I think, you know, um, early starting out, you know, he, he worked with Phil nurse and Phil nurse helped them. Uh, you know, even at the time, John was very creative, but I think Phil nurse helped them even more with that creative process. So now that John has that creative process in there with Phil nurse, now he understands what it means to build a move and work it from the fakes and faints to the setups and everything that He does that. He does
1: that Heard a little uh, remix at the end, a little, little breakup there in the Wi-Fi. Hopefully, producer Mikey Mormal can pay his bills, get that Wi-Fi stronger there, so we have no more wicka, 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 wicka. We don't need any more of that. <laughs> no more pills. We don't right? need any more of that either. What we do need is some MMA coming around the corner after a quick pause from our friends and sponsors. Yeah. Dig it.
0: Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Formula, One, Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining. This is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars, we want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode and face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes?
2: I'm Joseph Fines and this is F1 Back at Base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back, B.C., Rashad Evans. We got big-time guests to come in the forms of Chael Sonnen and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. But, Rashad, I wanted to hit you up with the five rounds, get your takes on the latest news in the MMA game. And number one this week, Rashad, I was on the horn on CBS Sports just a day ago with the Lioness, the two-division champ, Amanda Nunes, rumored to have been part of this May 9th UFC 250 potential supercard with three title fights, location, uh please send me location. No one knows the location, but what she ended up telling me was her featherweight title defense against Felicia Spencer will not be May 9th, even though the fight is verbally agreed to. The quote was really key, though. She says, in light of coronavirus, she feels like she needs a full training camp this isn't her time right now to rush back in. Uh Rashad, this seems to be outside of Habib which was a different circumstance with the the laws in Russia keeping him there. He couldn't fly out. This is a champion standing up and saying, "Look, I I want to help you out all the, all you can, but I ain't losing a belt because of corona." Your thoughts on this breakthrough of news here.
2: I think it's smart by her. You know, if you, if you can't give yourself the proper training, then uh she shouldn't fight. And especially since the person who she relies on for her biggest support, uh, her wife, is, is going through a situation where she's pregnant and she had a little bit of complications where she um, may have had to go to the hospital to get checked out. So that right there, coronavirus, is struck her in a different way because she's actually had an experience or a brush with it or, you know, some kind of situation. So she's now into the point where she's family first, trying to take care of her family, making sure that everyone is good in her family before she can even put her mental uh, thoughts together to defend the belt so hats off to her man and uh, I, I agree with her I think she should definitely um, not fight when you're not ready
1: yeah I am impressed by her situation that's how you keep a reign going title reign, doing it the right way and uh, yeah there's been jokes online how did Amanda uh, you know pull out and you know, become an pre- impregnation in the same sequence there. That was inappropriate. I'm not down with those type of jokes, but um, this seems like the right move. Hey, look, it's my podcast. Okay. I'm
2: the boss. I'm the boss.
1: It's my way and no other way. All right. Or, or, and that's the bottom line. But uh, I love me some Amanda Nunes. And uh, seriously, you know, part of the conversation I did have with her, Rashad, that I think is important is this. I referenced, and I think you might remember that journalist Darren Ravel. Used to work for SI. I think he's—I don't even know where he is now. You know what the business guy that Dana hates? Remember, he had originally tweeted out when Amanda had had beaten, you know, Rousey, Tate, and then Holm, and in almost some kind of succession. Like, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen for the UFC. She's unmarketable. Well, hey, wake up, people! She's got a Modelo sponsorship. I talked to her yesterday because she's got this new show coming out on Quibi, which is like stars from different sports coming together and sharing their secrets. And oh, by the way, she's a legitimate role model in many communities for how open her relationship is with Nina. They have a baby on the way. She told me some inside stuff about people reaching out to her kids, parents, just saying, "Look, because of your strength, I was able to be open about who I am." That that is like her perspective was great because that's so much more valuable than just the idea of somebody looking at a, at a, at a fighter as a product and saying marketable or not marketable it's like oh yeah she also has a modelo sponsorship so so back off you got to look at this as a somewhat undertold amazing success story like for everything she is in the cage and she's amazing personally she, the lioness is a pretty awesome person too
2: yeah i agree i absolutely love her she's a um, very sweet and genuine person you know she's one of the people that you that's a, that's a good person behind the scenes too, you know. But you know, I, I think that what she brings to the UFC is that she she brings that uh you know she carries that flag for her community, and um, that community is growing in number. But it was largely underrepresented for the longest time, and then now you know getting getting a chance to be on the stage that you know that that uh, that that um that Amanda's on, you know, it gives it gives that community a chance to. To to really hold a a flag in a a strong position and be like, you know what, we're we're here. And um, I think, you know, Amanda stands for everything that it means to to be strong and to be from that community. And I think that she goes out there and represents well for those people.
1: I agree with that. Now she broke the news to me that she's out of 250. She wants to try to push that fight with Felicia toward June potentially. Her manager and train, you know, Dan Lambert of ATT confirmed that news as well with ESPN. We haven't heard from UFC on this yet, but Rashad, round two this week is, uh, Dana's big tease here that May 9th, whether they're calling it 249 or 250 or whatever, that it would be a loaded card. Even with Nunes Spencer off of it, we're potentially looking at Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Uh Dominic Cruz getting back in the title picture against Henry Cejudo, and a pretty much loaded ass undercard, prelims card, which is like an all-star game of all the fights that haven't happened that were supposed to in the last month. As things stand now, Rashad, we don't have a location, and that's purposeful because Dana's um still doing this thing with the media where he doesn't want anyone to ruin it. We know that MMA can be legally... uh promoted in the state of florida we know that dana has a phone call coming up with nevada to try to get those doors open what's your confidence level right now two weeks out that we get a may 9th super card to essentially kickstart mixed martial arts again and start ufc on an every weekend plan
2: it, it, it's my it's pretty uh hopeful you know i mean actually let me rephrase that it's pretty positive and i say that because um, you know he has three options that he's working with. You know he has the the quote unquote Fight Island, which he still is leaving out there, and he the, uh, filed 21 patents for Fight Island, so there might be something happening there. But also you have the Florida, you know, uh, letting it so that you know WWE can do that and they can promote events here. And then he also has the the, the shoe in with with the, the Vegas Commission and trying to massage those guys a little bit to see if something can happen there. So he has options. Um I think it's going to happen because it almost happened the first time. Uh, it, it's just It was just um, the location was the thing, but I think it, it's definitely going to happen now. And I think uh, I think the fact that people have started to um, let states, uh, Georgia is going to uh, allow their state to come free and everything like that. So I think the more states that are coming free or loosening up their uh, isolation restrictions. Then I think it's going to make more sense to, to for him to have an event, you know. Yeah. And I it, think that uh, I think it, I think it will happen.
1: If you look at the news, and I did this morning, man. You know, but three southern states looking to really like open up the doors to everything, like barber shops tattoo parlors you know That's movie Georgia. theaters <laughs> i mean uh the south be crazy um and you know certainly we're seeing pr- people protest both sides and i and you know anytime you hear a a healthcare worker explain their situation you're like man nobody should ever leave their house but i think obviously if done right if dana's working with the state commissions I feel like we're going to see this, Rashad. I feel like the key will be getting Nevada on board because the infrastructure is already there at the Apex, at the Performance Center in Vegas, to do this the right way. I know we all love the idea of of Fight Island and sharks with laser beams and fights on the beach and cages with barbed wire and this whole, like, let's create a uh, action movie around this, but... I mean, whether Dana's serious or not about that for international fights, I don't think we're ever going to see that. I think it's still a little ridiculous. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we're at the point where he could get fights with no crowd in Vegas. And when the hell, Rashad, in your life, has the Nevada State Commission been the bastion of sanctity in fight sports? Like, are you freaking kidding me here? Like, they're going to be like, nope, sorry. Go to Florida. We ain't letting you in. Go to Tai Chi Palace. Get out of here, Nevada.
2: Well, see that—that's the whole thing about all of this, though. It seems that um, science and, and, and logic is is put into the back burner, but it's more like political issues and is going to the forefront. And and I think that goes to the, the to the point where you know these politicians or these these rule makers they don't want to be held liable just in case things do get uh, as bad as projected to be. So I think that's why they're um, taken the the precaution that they're taking but nonetheless we, we've we've been in far more uh you know we, we've encountered way more dangerous things but that that's another whole point in, 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 in itself but i honestly believe that this is something that can happen just based on the fact of where Dana white has his hooks hooked in at.
1: yeah i mean he is the boss right i mean he doesn't back down from anyone i've had a great run right if the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring <laughs> it. I'm ready, Corona. Come, come. Please, please. Stop saying that. Oh, my God. Uh, besides that, he's doing great. Uh, do you see any other fighters potentially pulling in Amanda Nunes, which is which I'm not saying that negatively. I'm saying they're like, look, you know, me defending this title. I, I want to do it the right way. I, I know that we love the idea of like the cowboy Cerrone types, the, the, the mercenary soldiers who will pick up the phone on no training camp and go in there. Um, we're always going to have those guys. They're always going to be ready. But uh, if this card goes as planned, Rashad, even without that Nunes fight, man, this this is in contention for one of the best cards we'll ever see if it can stick together.
2: It definitely can. I mean, it, it's it looks amazing, and um, this 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 is this is a quarantine card. This is the kind of card that you just absolutely like. You, you're not you're gonna. You're gonna plan your week about you. You can, you can plan your month around it. This is this is kind of like one of those cards that they used to give us back in the day when they only give us, you know, three a year. You know what I'm saying? You can just count on and just count the days where you get to see all these great fighters, fighters, and this is happening once again. You know what I'm saying? So this is a treat. This is a treat if it actually rural. does stay together.
1: If you're forcing me to tune into Facebook at. 5 p.m. Eastern UFC. That's when I know it's a badass card. If there's a fight <laughs> on the early, early prelims right. that when there's one person in the crowd, yeah, Kevin Ioli sitting by the cage and no one else, that's when I know it's a badass card. We haven't really seen that since maybe the first two MSG cards, maybe, uh, uh, UFC, uh, UFC 200 and that whole area around the sale in 2016. Remember how gratuitously loaded those cards were? Remember oh, yeah. international fight week that year? Oh, okay. there was. Eddie Alvarez versus RDA for the title on Thursday night. Joanna uh, Claudia for the title on Friday night. Oh, and then by the way, Saturday night was like the loaded UFC 200 card. That was uh, that was there was a lot of flex going on back in the. Oh, days.
2: that was bananas back then. It was bananas, man. But that's I mean, every it, the stars are just budding, budding, budding. And and at the point, at that point, these stars haven't really made their name yet, so they weren't so you know it, it was just where. They were at their most exciting time, you know, getting to be the names that we know today. So it was it was amazing fights back then.
1: Given the circumstances of the coronavirus outbreak right now and considering we were already seeing criticism against against Henry Cejudo for for accepting a title bout against Jose Aldo, who was coming off of two losses and all that. Dominic Cruz looks like the replacement now. He hasn't won a fight in 4 years again under obvious circumstances with injuries, but are you okay with that as a as a uh Bantamweight title bout?
2: Um I mean Dom is my boy. <laughs> but but if I but if I was to address it from from a fairness standpoint, I uh, I think that there there could have been others that that are definitely in position and definitely earned that spot but then you look at what dom has achieved in in the weight class you know throughout the years when he was active and you know he, he's definitely one of those guys who you know um you know he, he's up there you know there's no doubt about it that he's definitely one of the up there's providing that he could stay healthy you know providing that he could stay with it um you know we watched him uh come off the bench and then you know put a clinic on uh uh garbrandt you know what i'm saying what, and, and, and that's what, and that's what, um, no, you know, uh, not no, 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 Gar, I mean, I, I got all twisted. Who, 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 Dillashaw? That's right, you Dillashaw. He Dillashaw. Went Dillashaw. Back I got the title, and then... Gar, Garbrand. is the one who who mocked him and, and caught him with the, caught him with the smoothness. That's right. It was Dillashaw, and at that point, Dillashaw was that guy. So, argument. You you can make an argument that you can put Dom in this situation. And he's going to make this fight like it's going to be a competitive fight. So the
1: story the life story, if he won this, I mean, that's oh, my gosh,
2: dude. I mean, mean,
1: he's thirty five. He hasn't fought since that Cody fight in 2016. Hasn't won since the Faber win in the trilogy at UFC one ninety nine four years ago. Uh, Man, considering everything that guy's been through, he's fought just think about this. He's fought just four times. Since 2011, since his second win over Demetrius, I'm sorry, first win over Demetrius Johnson, only win. Since that win in 2011, back when Demetrius Johnson was a damn Bantamweight, there wasn't a flyweight division. He's only fought four times in nine years. That's wild.
2: I uh, know, it's wild, man. It's wild. It, it It is wild. And And yeah, it is. But I mean, if he can win, if he can win this fight, And he definitely can win it just with this movement alone. But, I mean, man, I don't know. (laughs) That's a human
1: interest story right there. I hope we do see that fight. Uh, I hope we see that card. Make it happen. All right. I don't know. I'm weird. I'm, I'm like, do it the right way. Do it safely. I'm not like completely on one side where it's like somebody needs to stop Dana. I'm like, if you can do it right. I would love if you would fill my time right now. i got to be doing these CBS Sports HQ Monday Night Raw recaps. You know how much I'd like to get on the camera and talk about some actual damn fights. Shout out to all the wrestlers out there. But, uh hey, speaking of Cejudo real quick, never forget what Joseph Benavidez once said to him. I used to f***ing cool. guy like you in high school. <laughs> Wow!
2: Ooh! Hey,
1: all right, Joe. Well, you know, there's a (laughs) hey. He's doing well now. He's doing very well right now. (laughs) Shout out to Megan O'Levy. All right, let's roll on to round three, Rashad. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, know. Boom me all you want. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Where are you? Where are you, Al? Are you guys booing
0: me? Are you guys, you better not move me.
1: No, we don't, Al. But find me a good price on a condo. Okay. Uh, round three is the coronavirus has finally penetrated uh, big-time mixed martial arts with UFC welterweight. Lyman Good revealing that he had a positive test, but he's through the woods now. He's healthy. He wants to fight, and he wants to get back in. Rashad, statistically speaking, do you think there's other fighters that have had it and beat it? I feel like I'm patient zero from December 31st when I got admitted to the hospital when I had that weird thing going on. I might have had the Corona too, but do you think good is the only one?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that a lot of people probably had it and um, and it just probably passed through and they probably thought it was like a little worse than a, than a flu. You know, my sister had something similar and uh, she was going on about it and uh she she ended up saying like man I think it was the coronavirus but that was way back in in December as well too, um so yeah I think a lot of people could have had it and and um and just you know already went through the the, the pains of it and just came out the other side of it.
1: All right, all right. Hopefully everybody's all right. I know in boxing we just uh, lost uh, Tony Harrison, the junior former junior lightweight champion. His father just passed of Corona, who was his trainer Ali Ali Salam. So. Uh, Man, it's, it it always hits home when it when you turn on the news and it's somebody you know in your area, somebody's uncle. I mean, we hope it stops there. Because Rashad, I've been seeing people that are like thirty and in prime health going down to this thing. I mean, it's 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 a little no. crazy. it's a little crazy here, a little crazy here. So, uh, all right, let's roll on here, round four, Rashad. Uh, the aforementioned John Jones. I don't know if you've been following this beef he's had with Anthony Smith, the Lionheart. But in light of that story Anthony Smith told, which we referenced last week, of the home invasion, he fought off a guy who seemed to be on drugs that was wandering into his house. It was a life and death battle. Uh John Jones has kind of come out on Twitter and kind of shamed Anthony and basically was like, you know, bro, you might need to pick up a handgun because if I was breaking into your house, you know, you'd have to kill me to get me out of there. And essentially clowning on Smith's inability to handle this intruder An easy fa- This is so bizarre. So here's the deal. They went back and forth. Smith called him a douchebag. John came back over the top in tweets that are now deleted, just clowning his ability to fight. Here's my issue with this, and I wanna get your take. Smith's not even on his radar right now. Like, he already beat Anthony Smith. Okay, like, you know, Lionheart might get back in the title picture, but it's not like this is DC and they have some deep grudge. In the last time I checked, he should be calling up Anthony Smith and thanking him. That Smith didn't take that DQ finish when he could have to take the belt. And I know you remember what I'm talking about, Rashad, mm-hmm. when John hit that illegal knee. A lot of people are coming out and just like, man, for all the things John has been through and done, like, does the does he have no sense in this moment to be like piling on and this is you know, in light of some other tweets he's had since his DUI arrest, where it just seems like he doesn't have a firm handle on the seriousness of the situation with some of the jokes he's making. So I want to spin it to you, Rashad, because I've gotten some pushback by some public takes I've made where it's like, hey, John, just like, smarten up, man. Like, get it together. Now's not the time. You don't have the money in the bank, so to speak, to be able to make these claims. And other people are going, why are you trying to humanize and and sort of like, you know, try to make perfect this man who's a fighter? He's a damn fighter, meaning like he's a warrior. He lives by a different code. Why are we trying to moralize John at every turn? My my take is, John, shut the hell up. Like Anthony Smith is, you know, kids and wife could have died in that sequence. Where do you stand on this in terms of John, in light of all the bad news against him, kind of taking shots at another another man in a serious spot?
2: Well, John is passive aggressive, so if he's coming back at. Um, Anthony for that situation is nine times out of ten is because he heard an interview that Anthony did and Anthony was talking about what John needs to do to overcome this past situation that we just, you know, had happen. I watched that interview and Anthony was uh, was critical of John as far as just um, just a call out of just being a man and just, and just saying like, you know, I was there before where, you know, I didn't want to take accountability and at this point now it's time for John to take accountability. So his message to John was more like a Man up type of situation, you know, you need to man up and, and be a man to stop acting like a boy with all these foolish in, uh, Incidents that you're doing. So when John John coming back at him That's all that is John coming back trying to rip him down because of that. But it, it it is in poor taste because That situation is a is a crazy situation You don't expect to come out of your bedroom to see somebody in your house at all. You know what I'm saying? Like even if you did have a gun you know, would you be in a right mind to fire it? You know what I'm saying? It, it's a lot, a lot that goes through your mind when you're put actually put in that situation, and to uh to be overly critical or to be critical at all in somebody in a situation you've never been in it is a low blow. But um that that comment by John wasn't about it wasn't personal to Anthony as far as like oh you didn't do this right. It was just like oh yeah you want to say something about me? Well how about I say this about you? Interesting
1: interesting way to frame that but i got the same reaction that dc once had
0: john jones get your s- together i'm waiting for you
1: I'm
2: only i'm not waiting okay
1: i want to see this man healed i want to see him back in the cage but i want to see it the right way i don't I, look i'm saying it before i'll say it again i think they should take away his title people are like for a damn d why? no for like five or six ridiculous things packaged together uh the 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 law hasn't Hasn't forced John to change right the law hasn't right. hasn't gone to an extreme measure to force him to change um, So what's UFC's role in this? That's the whole debate in well, my
2: eyes. I mean you think at so What sparks change and, and when you start to think about what sparks change you start to realize that there's one Fundamental issue that sparks change no matter who you are and, and no matter where your mindset is before the change happened And it's when you lose enough Whenever you lose enough, that's when you change. That's when you're forced to change because you have to adapt. So at this point, John hasn't lost enough. When he loses enough, there's going to be nothing that anyone needs to tell him about changing because he's going to do it by himself. And that's all that it is. John just needs to lose enough. That's true. That's true.
1: That is true. All right, final round here, Rashad this week, uh we talked about Ronda Rousey in the past. This interview with that she did with Stevo, the uh a Comedian, actor, entertainer, we're crazy jackass guy. It continues to have legs. People are pulling little headlines out of it and going, "What the hell is Ronda talking about?"
2: What well, Ronda, Ronda fine-ass finance?
1: Last I checked, she's on the uh, the farm with with uh, Travis. But this week, the comments that were pulled were she supports from start to finish the UFC Reebok deal, and despite it taking away potential. Add revenue money from fighters, especially fighters on the mid and lower card. She's like, look, you don't see NBA players with Condom Depot on their ass during games. Uh, this rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, Rashad, mostly because, look, she's she was in the 1% when she was in the UFC. She was making top-end money as a pay-per-view headliner and how that Reebok deal was structured it was always going to favor the top-end fighters what are your thoughts on her reaction to this and also the deal's future? Because I believe that Reebok deal is up in the next year.
2: Um, I think that uh, – how do I say it? So I think it's a poor choice of words by her to be honest because when when it comes down to the, the, the Reebok deal, it ended a lot for a lot of us. And I think that um, what we were able to generate on the outside, it helped us a lot during times like this, you know? So um, that was that was an important part of, of a fighters income, especially when we weren't making that in in the fighting side. So when they cut the ability for us to receive sponsorship in that platform for these sponsors to to advertise, then it, it cut us deeply and it really put a cap on how how we're able to uh, market ourselves in a sense, because no company wants to get behind you if they can't market you. Right. So now you're in a position where unless they're a company that, you know, because when big companies come in by the UFC, the UFC allocates some fighters that they're going to work with and they're like the top guys. But the person who may have gotten a sponsorship on the outside, that person gets left out, you know? So now that sponsorship doesn't build that person that it could have built. You get what I'm saying? So now it, it just it just makes it so that They pick and choose who gets to be the stars and who doesn't get to be the stars versus, you know, a management company going out there, getting a sponsor with a good, reputable company. And then that company, you know, doing big things with them. Like, say, for instance, I go out and I got a sponsorship with Reebok before they became the Reebok and UFC. They would have pushed me and they would have made me their their guy. You know what I'm saying? But that all gets ended now. So I think that. um and and I, and I speak on it like this because i was I was back in the heyday where they we were getting crazy sponsored for nothing like they we were getting like i mean it was it was crazy the money that was coming in but at the same time you know it it was it helped out a lot and um the fact that when we now that reebok is in there these fighters um you know you you get you get pennies on what we used to get before so I don't I don't think that uh it was and in her into her point she, she said that the, the, They they could have the the NASCAR drivers, they got sponsors all over the place. That don't that looks that looks it don't look bad to me. It looks kinda great, it looks kinda cool to be yeah. honest, you know. So there the are other sports the where shoulder. we could have modeled it after we didn't What's that?
1: NBA started to add that sponsorship for each team on the uh, above the chest right there in like the corner of the uniform. Yeah. The shoulder. I mean, look, it yeah. is probably inevitable. I get what she's saying. Um, I, the only thing I've ever liked about the deal is that I get that it uniforms the fighters. It's a cleaner look, but she can't make comparisons to the NBA when they get the players get 51% of the revenue last time I checked. And in the UFC, according to some reporting from the likes of John Nash and, and others. Fighters are only getting eighteen percent of the overall, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pool of money. So that's where it's harder to compare in this case. No unions, no players' association. Blah blah blah. Um, I'm sick of talking about Ronda. So let's end it, okay? You know, she had a great career. She had a great run. Um, I don't know if I don't think we ever see her back unless like Paige VanZant moves up to thirty-five and and say, and we do some, you know, chick versus. Nah, she's player.
2: she's not coming back to fight in the UFC again. No, no, no. She's that, she's probably going to do WWE some more. That's probably about it.
1: All right, we're hoping fights do come back uh, soon, but it's the sports world is slowly creeping back, Rashad. I'm not talking about the Jordan doc. I'm talking about the NFL draft is back this week. Get fired up because CBS Sports always has you covered. You want to dig something deep into them ear holes? First, use a Q-tip, okay? Clean that crap out. Second, how about put in the headphones and listen to the Pick 6 NFL podcast with Will Brinson, who will have comprehensive draft coverage all week long, including the latest on Draft Buzz, prospect interviews, a gambling preview, and much, much more. Then later this week, our team will be reacting immediately after each day of the draft. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever Fine Audio can be found. It's the Pick Six NFL Pod. It always has your back. Tell them. BC sent you. All right, Rashad, let's get to our first interview. Just to always remove the fourth wall in the space-time continuum, remember Back to the Future 4, you never knew if you were in 1955 or 1985. We're recording this part before we record the next part. So, I mean, Demetrius Johnson could get on and say, kill Whitey for all I know, but I doubt he will. <laughs> uh, we want to hear about the one championship superstar, what's going on. It's the Mighty Mouse. He's coming at you right now. Enjoy. Hey, Demetrius, Brian Campbell with CBS Sports. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I- Uh, I felt. What's going on, brother? Uh, Great chatting with you. Love checking in with the top name fighters in the world during these crazy of times. Um, give it to us clean here, Demetrius. I'm going stir crazy myself. How you holding up during this age?
3: I'm I'm holding up fantastic. You know, I'm spending time with the family, the kids, the wife, playing video games. So I can't complain.
1: All right, all right. I can get down with that. Um, what we all want to know is, you know, how do you stay at your very best during this time? I mean, is it is it legit? Get out in the garage and uh and and do some calisthenics. How are you able to stay so crisp?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I can't stay as crisp as I always would if I had the gym open. But honestly, man, you know, I was really just thinking about this. I'm in dad mode. I'm in family man mode. I'm just focusing on uh, hanging out with the kids and spending time on life. You know, when you say get out in the garage and doing cataclysmic, I was in the garage bringing out boxes, getting the garbage ready to, you know, put out the other night for the garbage man. So I'm I'm in like family man mode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Would you be able to make that, flip that switch if, if you were given a concrete date and you know, okay, I got, you know, three, four weeks to get ready. I mean, are, are you sort of know that's in you and that's ready at any point?
3: Yeah, 100%. You know, like I said, I had, you know, nothing's going to feel compared to like eight, eight solid peer training. Obviously, with the state of the world is in today, you know, that's just not logistic right now, especially with, you know, Washington State being on lockdown <clears throat> until May 4th. I heard it's supposed to be extended to May 17th, but they haven't came out and said that yet. Uh, with that being said, yeah, you know, four weeks, I can switch it back on and, you know, put it put something together. I've been staying active, you know, I've been trying to get my heart up every three days a week. Um, But at the most part, you know, I'm not even thinking about fighting.
1: You know, where do you sort of stand on this, in this grand divide that we've had since the quarantine and the virus outbreak of when it, when it should be deemed safe? for this line of work to continue. And certainly there's been fighters, media fans on all different ends. You've got Dana White uh, doing anything he can to get the show back on the road. Uh, some fighters have wanted to. Amanda Nunes just came out yesterday and said, look, if I can't get a full camp, I'm not going to defend my title. Where do you sort of stand right now on that, uh, on when we should be getting back into this?
3: I mean, it's a little hard to say. Obviously, they're... You know Dana White's trying to make it happen, and I think he's taking all the precautions to make it happen. You know, with the fight island and you know Florida just opened their beaches up. Um, so that right there shows you that. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's a hard thing to say, but I believe if you have everybody in a room together that doesn't have COVID nineteen, I think when you leave that room, nobody should have COVID nineteen. So that's the uh, that's the goal. But I think the tricky part is getting from. The point A to point C, B is the tricky part, is make sure nobody gets in contact with COVID nineteen before they step into the arena. So, um, you know, for me to say what is it safe to do it, I have no idea, but you know, it's a big risk to take, but if you if you're able to make it to put on a live event you know that everybody's craving to have, I think you're gonna have a huge reward.
2: Interesting,
1: interesting. Now in your situation, You've come through the one championship flyweight World Grand Prix as the winner. Get your title shot against Adriano Moraes for that flyweight belt, originally scheduled for April, then May 29th in the Philippines. Um What's your confidence level that that, that date is any kind of reality?
3: I mean, obviously, with this, like I said, how everything's going on right now with the COVID-19, I don't even know if I can get out of the country. Like, I haven't even... Had a thought to try to book a ticket to get over to uh, Singapore, because I usually go to Singapore if I'm going to compete in the middle, I go to Singapore 10 days prior to going to actual actual fighting, because I have to go to Evolve and get acclimated to the time zone, and you know, I don't even know if I get in Singapore and if I were to get in Singapore, they're gonna probably going to have me on my, a 14-day quarantine then I can begin to actually get out there and train so, I have no idea it's, it's just you know, I, I don't I truly don't think about it because I know I can't get to the gym with our, with our lockdown as of right now.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of fighters, um, you know, and I and I've got nothing bad to say about them. They have that mentality that if I get the call tomorrow, no matter how much I've been working out, no matter the circumstance, I'm going to be there. But like I just mentioned with Amanda Nunes, there's a certain thing that of of maintaining and protecting and doing it under the the right and optimal circumstances um do you echo her thoughts from the standpoint that everybody wants to get back but it may not be worth risking everything you've built if the situations aren't perfect
3: yeah i mean i can understand Amanda's this thing i mean absolutely you know i think for the fighters who say you know i'll, I'll jump on the plane and fight i've been training for six to seven eight seven eight weeks they're willing to take that risk. That's that's a risk that they're willing to take, which will pay out a big reward and you're going to get paid, which is, you know, everybody and their moms are losing their job right now. So I think those athletes feel they have nothing to lose. And in reality, you have nothing to lose, right? I mean, even if Amanda Nunes was to go out there and compete and let say she lost, she's still one of the greatest women athletes who ever exist in this sport. So, whatever she's done so far, you can't take that away from her. I mean, especially in these hard times. Like if, if she was to fight, she was, you know what? Fuck it. I got four weeks. I'm going to wing it. I'm going to go out there and fight. If I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. I took a risk. And you know, that, that's, that's the game we play. So, I mean, I, I understand both sides of the fence.
1: Absolutely. Now, when you came over to one championship in 2019, it was a monster free agent signing for the promotion. There was the all the headlines with the quote-unquote trade for Ben Askren, and you've done nothing but win three straight victories in that tournament that I mentioned. Um, what has been the biggest, I don't know, surprise adjustments for you in just the concept of taking your home base and ahead of these fights, moving it over to Asia and fighting in front of a whole different crowd and a whole different custom? What has that whole journey been like for you? I
3: think the biggest thing is just, the the travel the travel is a lot more i'm used to just jump on a plane and flying four hours to vegas and competing and you know jump on a plane come back home now like i said i give myself 10 days you know if i'm competing in manila i'll go to singapore if i compete in japan i'll go like 12 days early and just get myself acclimated to you know the environment the time zone the food and that i would say is the biggest thing and and competing in front of The Japanese and the the Asian crowd is definitely different. They're more knowledgeable about the sport of mixed martial arts. They're very more
0: respectful.
1: What have you learned about the talent base and the level of competition? Because when you came over alongside guys like Eddie Alvarez and Sage Northcutt, I think some fans who maybe didn't know a lot about one were surprised when both guys sort of suffered damaging losses early on. We've seen you pull off three victories, two by decision, your first one by submission. Were you surprised at all by, by how tough these guys are? No not at all.
3: I think uh doesn't matter what organization you're in, they're all tough. I mean, a fight's a fight. I mean, especially when a guy's got a you know, eight weeks to train for you, getting in peak top physical condition. So they're all they're always gonna be tough in my opinion. And you know, one championship guy's killer. They're, they're they're great athletes over there. Uh,
1: you're on the on the footsteps here of a of a title opportunity in one and you know you've certainly been here before in UFC, and you create you know a division created around your name. You set records. You really put yourself you know at that table of the of the goats, so to speak. So how different is it now uh, in pursuit of a title when it's not like you're doing this to make your name? How how does the motivation differ at all?
3: Well, the motivation is to continue to provide for my family and continue to prove I'm the best in the world. You know, obviously I I have accomplished a lot of things in this sport or mixed martial arts but for me i I don't sit down and think about all the accomplishments i've done i don't gloat about what i've been able to accomplish i just focus on the next fight you know and whether i go out here and i'm successful and capture this flyweight belt or if i come up short i'm still going to carry my head high and keep on moving and keep on uh, doing my thing
1: that's an interesting perspective it's a it's a mature uh, well reasoned a uh, lot of wisdom in that and i can respect it but we never saw you complain that you got, let's say the, you know, uh, raw deal would be a bad word, but, but your title loss to Henry Savuto in your last UFC fight, many experts thought you had done enough to win. We know you also battled through injuries in that fight. I feel like I never heard one ounce of sour grapes out of your mouth that from the standpoint of you deserved an immediate rematch, you were done wrong. Um, That can't be easy to just swallow that pill like that.
3: Yeah, I swallowed I, I it just fine. You know, like I said, I've lost fights before and I won a lot of fights. And, you know, the judges, they made a decision. And, you know, you just, I I just, it just never looks well when somebody sits there and complains about something. You know, you, you get your wins, you, you, you take them and you get your losses, you take your losses. You know, if, if you can't give people their first loss and finish them, and when it's time for you to take the L and you act like a sore loser and, uh, and, uh, throw a fit, you know, it's the sport. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. And you just got to be able to walk away with it and keep on moving. It's not like, you know, I, I got the brick beat off me. You know, it's just a decision. Judge the judges thought he won. And I was like, all right, that was good. On to the next thing.
1: Interesting. Um, you've seen the success Henry, Henry Cejudo has had since then. Uh, do you buy his takes that, that he saved the flyweight division by beating you that night and by, by stopping uh, Dillashaw and by, you know, building his name up to a level where – that's why those guys are still around today in the UFC. No, I think those guys
3: are still around because it's a great division. You know, obviously, uh, you know, Hiroshito has gone off and been very successful in the flyweight and bantamweight division, and that's like my view on it. Obviously, you know, the, the UFC can do whatever they want with the division. They get rid of it tomorrow if they really wanted to. So, I think at the end of the day, um, it's it's up to the UFC's discretion.
1: All right, tell us about this title fight with Adriano Moraes When things get back and going, um, if we haven't seen much of him as as an opponent, what should we expect in this fight matched up against your skill set?
3: I mean, obviously he's a, he's a very big flyweight, in my opinion. Uh, he's a great, phenomenal grappler, and you know he's got he's been around the game for a long time. He hasn't got the the spotlight from his fight, you know, because there's so many. There's so many great athletes in the world, but he he's legit, and I think I match up well with him with my speed, my athleticism, and my knowledge of big arts and how you fight in the world. I think it's going to be a fun fight.
1: I saw an interview he did a few weeks back where... You know, he's excited to fight you. He thinks there should be an immediate rematch no matter what the result is because of, of how great you two fighters are. But he said he feels like he's almost getting overlooked and snubbed. He said he feels like Amanda Nunes heading into that Rousey fight where all anyone talking about is Mighty Mouse. Um, can you feel for that? Or, or, or do you take any umbrage with that? You know, I think, honestly, when that comes down to it, when you look
3: at that, when he brought you know Amanda Nunes into the Ronda Rousey context, People still talk about Ron Rousey more than Amanda Nunes because she's, able, she's been able to branch out and do other things in her career. And I think for me, I've been able to do some amazing things in my career. You know, obviously people keep talking about my flying arm bar, uh, what I've accomplished in the sport of mixed martial arts, how I have reached over into the gaming space.
2: You know, when I walk
3: around the around in my neighborhood, you know, people shout me out not from mixed martial arts. They shout me out from... My, my, my Twitch stream, so <laughs> I've been able to
2: utilize
3: my brand very well in the sport of mixed martial arts, not just in fighting, you know, and gaming and other things, so for him to have that feeling, I think my own response that, get out there and, uh, and build your brand, that's that's one thing I can say, you know, I'm not, I'm just doing what I'm doing, and, you know, if people are going to like my style, what I've accomplished in mixed martial arts, that's what it is, you know, it's not my fault, I'm still being played on ESPN,
1: Indeed, um, I, I've always uh, appreciated your level-headed approach. Like we mentioned earlier, to to fighting wins and losses. I'm not sure I ever recall you in a trash talk war or losing your cool. Has it ever happened during your run? No, I would say so. Like I'm,
3: I'm a very logical person. I sit down and I, I look at the question or what people are saying about me, and if it's like you know they think I suck or whatever, I'm just like, okay, you think I suck? That's fine. But if somebody has like a legitimate thing, how they feel about a certain way, I'm like, dude, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been there. Like I've, I've, I've been there before. Then I didn't care anymore. And I just kept on fighting and beating people and doing amazing things in the sport and martial arts, pulling off submissions that nobody's ever seen before and just kept my head down and kept on grinding. And, and then things turned around for me. So I think when athletes have that mindset that, you know, they they feel like they're being overlooked, which is a valid thing. They can feel that way, but don't worry about that, man. Just keep on training and go out there and compete. And when it's time to shine, shine. And even if you shine and you beat somebody and you still don't feel you get the credit deserved, okay, then what are you doing this for? Are you doing this for notoriety or are you doing it for, you know what I mean? So that's how I view everything I like.
1: I like that. Uh, do you have any survival kit recommendations for, for fans, fans? Uh, that are also going through this quarantine and life's different and it's crazy. How is Demetrius Johnson getting through? You got any uh, food, workout, TV show recommendations? What is what has helped you get by?
3: My family, my video games, and you know that's all I need. I see my family, video games. That's you know staying healthy and working out. I just do
2: the the basics.
3: You know, lots of push ups, lots of pull ups, lots of running, and uh, clean eating.
1: I think that's the key right there. Uh Rashad Evans is in my ear every week on this podcast telling me about clean eating. It's uh, uh indeed no that that's a secret to longevity and success. I want to close with this. You you're always sort of matter of fact about your legacy. You know what you've accomplished. You don't boast about it. You don't seem to take uh too much, you know, insult if people don't link you in the goat conversation. Uh are you privately able to sit there on the back deck once in a while, crack a cold one, and go, "Holy crap! No one's defended a UFC title more than me. I'm the greatest flyweight in MMA history." Are you able to do that, or is is that something you reserve for for at the end of the day when you hang it up?
3: Uh, I think mean, probably something I do when I hang it up at the end of the day because you know everybody, everybody, you know, talked about it. You know, I don't have to put myself at that table people put me at that table put me people have done that conversations for myself um so it might be something I'll do when I'm done but like I said you know you go on Twitter and you you type in like who's the greatest fighter of all time they're just gonna say you know Demis Johnson and I don't have to say anything I just sit there and chill and my accomplishments speak for themselves
1: that is fair that is fair oh one more thing I caught an Instagram live with you and you mentioned Habib Nurmagomedov as a dream opponent. Can you explain that? What context was that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Khabib
3: Nurmagomedov. Um, and I feel his fighting style and how he goes about his way and his life about fighting. Is when I look at him, I can tell him fighting isn't his life. It's something he's very good at and he loves to do it. But when he his response to the UFC about them going forward with Justin Gaethje fighting Tony Ferguson, he was okay. That's fine. Go ahead do your thing. I'm being Russia, just chilling, relaxing. I like that. I like that about athletes. I like athletes who just, you know, they're so good, and they know they're so damn good. But they don't need to tell the world and go on Instagram or Twitter and, and say how could they do this without me? Blah 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 blah. And I respect them. So
1: for me, I see that in him. That just truly tells me how good he really is. I like that a lot. Demetrius Johnson can't wait to see you get this opportunity for that one flyweight championship. Great to hear everything's going well. Uh much health and happiness to you and the family. Thanks for the time. Thank you, sir. Rashad, special thanks to Demetrius Johnson. Um he's always a man of principle and I can respect that. He seems to be enjoying himself doing the one thing. Um do you see him ending with the one thing
2: i do you know i feel like he um i feel like he he's finding his home there and i feel like he's he's uh he's happy there you know he feel like he's getting the respect that he deserved that he was not getting in the ufc and uh one of season is a good promotion so i don't think that you know he would come back unless there may be like a cross promotional fight but i don't see nothing like that happening
1: um i hope his greatness doesn't get diminished because he's out of sight, out of mind for now. Even though one Diz does have plans for 2021 to get in the U.S. and hopefully they can put a big card together, put it on TNT, really begin to make that splash. But um, the man—I mean, the revisit his catalog. The man's
2: incredible. I, I think I think Demetrius is one of those guys who will never really truly be appreciated until like you know his time is up. You know, we'll be looking at him like a old Sugar Ray Robinson or something like that, just looking at just a mass fold of his movement, his quickness, and just his overall awareness on transitions on what move to hit next. You know, I think that when it comes to that, you're talking about the GOAT and John Jones and Michael Jordan and all that stuff. Demetrius Johnson can definitely be in that category for what he's been able to do and do it without all of the, you know, all of the uh, headline, negative headlines, you know, and and, and a guy in Demetrius Johnson who has that mindset and that work ethic that you see in Michael Jordan. You know a Kobe Bryant and a LeBron James you know he has that so you know he's somebody I feel that definitely never got the respect that he deserved
1: and by the way he I don't think he lost to Henry Sudo. it is what it is all right he had two major injuries that fight I had a five you know three rounds to two whatever he should have got a rematch instead they traded him he seems happy all good. He's probably playing video games. Good dude. Good family man. I follow him on Instagram. All right, let's roll on. Let's bring, in a, let's bring in a gangster here if we can, all right? I'm like John Jones. I sound like Sean Combs, and I got
0: trombone-sized stones like John Holmes. All
1: right, how about that? It's, uh, we got a big collaboration <laughs> coming up. It's called Bellator MMA Recharged. You're going to be able to check out some great Bellator classic fights beginning Saturday, April 25th. At 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Big John McCarthy is your host. We're gonna see a lot of fun matchups over again A big names. Everyone from Fedor to Rampage to uh Ryan Bader. Remember that guy? Guess Say, what? Man. I'm not Ryan Bader, <laughs> my <boy>. I'm not <laughs> Ryan Bader. He's not that Sugar Rashad Evans. King Mole the Wall, my good friend, all those people. But let's throw it to chill sun in right now to get his thoughts on everything from quarantine to Fight Island and more coming at you. All right, let me bring him in. He's the greatest fighter in mixed martial arts history. He's undefeated. Somehow Anderson Silva got away with his belt. It's Chael Sonnen. Chael, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Certainly,
0: new no embellishment there. That was a straight shoot.
1: Well done, Brian. Well, you know, I've I've heard you. You you said things like that before, and I'm gonna believe it. And I'm gonna believe that we got a fun collaboration coming up. Between CBS Sports and Bellator starting this Saturday, I might add, April 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern on the CBS Sports Network. It's called Bellator MMA Recharged. And jail. when they dipped into the Bellator archives to kick this series off of replaying some of the best fights in promotional history, they said, Gotta get Sonnen. Let's replay his battle at 192 with Rampage Jackson. Uh, I think Coker and them, they know what they're doing.
0: I will tell you, I remember that night, and it was a heavyweight fight. I'd never fought in heavyweight before. And we weighed in the day before, and he was almost to the limit. I, I was a lighter guy coming up. And I remember when he walked through the cage door, and he barely fit through the door. And I thought, what did I get myself into?
1: (laughs) <laughs> that of course was a part of the Bellator Heavyweight World Grand Prix, uh, eventually won by Ryan Bader. But Chael, you made a lot of noise in that tourney, and you know, in hindsight, you had some big balls to move up at that age to heavyweight and to trade leather with guys like Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, we're enough removed from then. Do you also believe you had big balls to do that? Because that, that was that was that was pr- pretty gutsy.
0: Brian, I appreciate you giving me that credit. I
1: will tell you, uh,
0: for me, at least from a mentality standpoint, I didn't really know the difference. When I started in this sport, we didn't have weigh-ins. There, there was no weight classes. and it was, Everything was called open weight, meaning even if you had a weigh-in, it didn't matter what the two guys weighed. They were going to go compete. In. And eventually, they decided to have a light, heavyweight division. And it stayed that way for years. And then they added... Uh, you know, from the girls' division all the way down to 125 pounds, 115 pounds for females. So it was a little bit of a new concept. So my mindset—I never cared what the other guy weighed. That was something that came along later in the sport.
1: When you look back at that experience, you traded heavyweight leather a few times with Rampage Jackson, which we're going to see again on Saturday with with uh, Fedor. Like I mentioned, um, you, you you took a licking, you kept on ticking for a while. Uh, one of the more fun experiences you've had in your career or what?
0: Yeah, I think it was. You know, I really enjoyed the Fedor fight. and I've always liked fighting, but not the actual competition. I like the lifestyle. I like going to the gym. I like seeing the guys. I like doing the media, being part of something. But the actual contest is the worst part. For some reason, that Fedor fight was very enjoyable. And I think part of it was just because You know, he's such a great guy, but he's also such a great ambassador. He's such a great legend and a talent. And there was something where you were legitimately, I felt as though I didn't have anything to lose. I could just go out and compete. Every second I can stay in here is a little bit of a win. And I think that, I will admit to you, that's a bit of a defeatist mindset. But in fairness, it was still my mindset. And it did allow me to actually enjoy the competition for a change.
1: I like that. Well, after we watch you against Rampage this Saturday, the Bellator MMA Recharge Series will move to Wednesdays starting April 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern. A lot of big time fights featuring Fatal Rampage, Bader, Chael, a lot more names, Matt Mitrione and more. Uh, Chael, this is a great way to fill the quarantine time until we can fight again uh what are your thoughts on how this has all been handled you're also a promoter with submission underground and you've been putting on events uh how do you know what's the right decision whether it's you scott coker dana white in terms of when it's safe to do this again
0: well i will tell you this and i wouldn't make believe to know any of those things we have to be reactors i mean ultimately in this space if you're the event organizer ultimately the business you're in is following rules and regulations. So when we're out here in the northwest, submission underground, by example, takes place in Washington State. We have to follow the rules of that state that somebody else decided. You you, you bring it together. And, you know they limit the people. We went from 250 people down to 100 people down to 10 people. Now we're currently sitting eight people in a room. So we try to get ahead of that. We cut it all the way down to four people just in case anything changes. So you do the absolute best you can, and then you you live your life
2: in fairness. I do like before the-
0: we by
1: absolutely uh, a lot of great fights great story. that whole, they replay the whole heavyweight tournament i'll rewatch that any day of the week uh killing the quarantine here there's been some crazy ideas floated out i've also
0: secured an island i've got an island
1: uh fight island has is taken over the headlines but Chail, you were already of this ilk didn't you fight in costa rica for bowdog on the damn beach a few times i did
0: and he better bring White Island. I have to see Fight Island. That sounds like Disneyland for Fight fans. I, I cannot wait. I, I hope that this comes to fruition. It's very bizarre, right? Dana's trying to build a venue on an island. He already has a venue in his backyard called the Apex, so it's, it's this really weird spot. Um, but man, when you're trying to figure things out and move forward at a very uncertain time, I respect
1: it. Uh, I can as well, as long as we're getting the state commission involved, as long as we're doing it right. It looks like we're getting closer to that. Uh, Chell, you've had just such a legendary career that, you know, you talked your way into big fights, you performed big. And I don't, I haven't seen a better rival for you than the great Anderson Silva. Um, I always wonder though, when you, when you put the, the fights away, when you become a legend and a Hall of Famer and a personality and an ambassador for the sport and you run into good old Andy, is there that Gaudi Ward mutual respect for each other or is it still on like Donkey Kong when you see that man?
0: Uh, I would prefer the first way you said it I think you, you form a camaraderie and everything between him and the heat and the dislike was all very real but after you go out and do battle there's a reason you shake hands and walk away and not everybody lives by that same code I haven't been around Anderson Silva I don't know what his code is but I would suspect having done battle having lived through those memories looking back on them reminiscing particularly for him if he's the victor if I can live with the outcome I would think that he could live with it but I I really can't speak to that. I've reached out to him a couple of times for some some promotional support on other things. And uh, to say it short, he did not get back to me.
1: (laughs) Very interesting. Uh, That isn't the only Silva that you dance with. And your skirmishes through the years with Vonderlay, either in the cage, outside of it, were always some of my favorite. It gave us this classic soundbite. Until I met you, I didn't know they could stack crap. Uh, Chael, remember that ultimate fighter thing you had going on there? I'm
0: a genius. I'm a genius. That's beautiful work right
1: there. Uh, Chael, and he, I mean, he crossed that reality TV show line and came at you. That seemed in a, in a, that, that, you know, reality TV can be fake. Sometimes that seemed as real as real gets. You kind of had that OS look on your face. Like we're going to really do this right here.
0: Oh, and don't forget, we were in Brazil where I was publicly enemy number one. You know, as big as this sport is here in America, it's the number two sport in all of Brazil, only behind soccer. I mean, we would go do a show on a Sunday night, and they would get 19 million viewers for it. I mean, it's just a totally different deal. So when everybody hates me, and you, say, you talk about that, that OS moment, that's a very real thing. I'm in Brazil. The only person I have for backup is my wife. I'm all alone, and I don't know which way this is going to go. And we actually had two squirmishes. They only caught one on camera. We had two squirmishes. You know, I'm showing up for work, trying to do this job, trying to coach these guys, and the whole time not knowing what's going to happen. It was very unpleasant. Vandalay and I, even though we did do that, we still don't get it right. I see Vandalay. He's got to stay on his side. i got to stay on my side. But I believe you. I don't go anywhere where Vandalay might be alone anymore.
1: All right. Special thanks to the West Lynn gangster himself, Chel Sonnen, Rashad, You've shared a cage with Chael in the past. You know this, man. You got any good Chael stories for us?
2: Oh, man. Chael is uh, is a funny guy, man. Um, I remember when I was going to fight Chael. You know, we we stayed talking the whole fight camp. You know, every once in a while, he'll send me a picture of him, like, doing something, like, I'm going to crush you. Or he'll, like, you know, just make a joke and just, you know, laughing it off. And then uh, I stopped kind of talking to him because I kind of felt like he was trying to get familiar with me to kind (laughs) of get me to lower my defenses. So I kind of dried up communication with him, and uh, I was kind of being serious towards him. And I, I remember seeing him at the uh, the weigh-ins, and I look at him, and it, it, we haven't really talked before then because I kind of was being cold to him. And uh, after the weigh-ins, he texted me like, yo, you're looking kind of big right now, man. Like, <laughs> are we really about to do this tomorrow? <laughs> I always- and at that point, man, I was trying to be like hard, but I, that the way he sent the message, I couldn't stop laughing, man. I was just like, "Oh my god, this is Chael Chael's a trip, man. He's he's a Chael. funny guy." I love him. A good he he's he Chael is another really really genuine guy. Like, he's like one of my favorite people in this game just because he's always he's always kept it real with me.
1: And he's so damn witty, and I don't think people even so realize witty. that. I used to – uh remember ESPN.com used to do chats with fighters. They'd ask you fan uh-huh. questions. I used to be the one who would ask and type those questions. I remember sitting next to Chael – at ESPN when he was promoting the John Jones fight. And I mean his quickness on questions where people are trying to stir the pot and ask him yeah. trash talk situation. I mean, he's just he's a genius. And uh I always liked that when he was fighting certain people like Brian Stan, He's like, look, I'm not gonna talk trash. I respect this guy too much. I love this guy. You know, what I mean was he was he like that with you where he didn't really stir the pot at all?
2: No, he didn't stir the pot. You know, he would just kinda like uh you know poke me a couple of times and just kinda like you know, uh, you know, talk trash just to me. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't really say anything in the media. But uh, it, it was, it was a, it was a hard fight for me just because, um, like Chael and I had already spent a lot of time just working together and just becoming real friends up until that point. And I was like, man, I did not want to fight Chael at all. And then when they gave me to fight with Chael, I'm just like, oh my God, could it be? Uh, like, like I, I was before that, I used to want to go and train with him and help him get ready for his fight, you know? And then I was like, oh, well, good thing I didn't do that because he would know my game.
1: There it is. There it is. Shout out to Chael indeed. Tito always says I'm using my mouth to
0: get my opportunities. The only person I know that made money using their mouth is his ex-wife.
1: Oh, boy. All right. All right. We, don't even, we don't need to go there. Uh, that's our show for the week. Special thanks to Chail Son and Demetrius Johnson. And to the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans, at Sugar Rashad Evans on Twitter, I believe, and Instagram, correct?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, all sir. All right, check
1: out those abs. Maybe you got some workout tips for the folks. Uh, anywhere else we can we can find you in the future? I mean, hopefully you'll be working some ESPN cards when the when we get back at it, right?
2: Yeah, hopefully, man. Hopefully when uh, things get going, I'll be able to start moving around again. But uh, for right now, this is where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm at home right now with you, BC. This is all I this need to it. do right now. This is this it. it. This and is I, my quarantine with you.
1: I just figured out how to put uh, – on Skype, how to put uh, my own background image behind me. So you're Oh, at,
2: my goodness, and look, it looks great. At look Rashad at that standing one. standing
1: between two of the most famous UFC octagon girls. So shout-out to... Uh, is that Ariani and uh, Brittany there? Yeah, shout-out. Yes. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yes, that did. It did. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, moving on. Rashad, great show. Uh, follow us on State of Combat on Twitter. We got a fun stuff for you this week. I got a big-time interview with 90s movie horror sensation joe bob briggs definitely want to check it out this week on the pod jim ross the WWE legend and aew voice we're filling time a lot of fun stuff enjoy it rashad you got any message for the people on the way out
2: people keep your mind strong keep your exercise strong and we're going to get through this stay prayed up you will be through this
1: we got to pray just to make it today that's what (laughs) mc hammer taught me and guess what we out.